Hello, and welcome to the Federal Contracting Made Easy podcast, where we take the complex world of government contracting and break it into simple steps that any small business owner can master. Now, let me introduce your host, Nancy Byerly. Hello, and welcome to the wonderful world of government contracting. This is episode number 31, and today's topic's on bonds and government contracting. But before we get started, there is something that you must do for me, and that is to subscribe and rate the podcast. Now let's get started on today's topic, shall we? This is, have to abide by the set rules and regulations, especially when it comes to contract work. Bonds protect the parties if the job fails to meet the contract. That is why bonds exist. Most contractors do not think about bonding until a time comes when the projects they seek require bonding. Consequently, businesses willing to enter into a contract with corporations, or the government for that matter, should understand the workings of bonds. A bond acts as insurance to the obligee should the principal fail to meet their obligations. The bond involves three parties, the principal, otherwise known as the contractor, a surety company, and the obligee, or the person asking for the work to be performed. The surety company helps the obligee get compensated in case the contractor fails. They also follow up on the terms of the bond with the principal, that is, if there is a need for a renewal. If not every business requires a bond, how will I know if I need one? The instances which call for one to purchase a bond are, one, a license required. The state dictates that businesses have permits to conduct their trade. These permits act as an insurance that the company follows the rules and practices good ethics according to the laws. Specific industries require surety bonds. All construction industries will need a surety bond when involved in government contracting. The license and permit bonds help businesses stick to the professionalism as per the rules. Contract bonds require contractors to provide financial statements. These statements evaluate the strengths of the company. Contractor bonds are contract-specific and required before working on the contract. These contractor bonds are payment, bid, and performance bond. The reason why the surety company will evaluate your strength is they have to make sure that if you fail to perform the work that they're going to get their money out of the business. For the protection of the business, insurance companies are good for business protection, but they may not always cover fraud, theft, and embezzlement. That is why a fidelity bond comes in. For this type, you barely feel the pinch as they are inexpensive and optional. Bonds, no matter how expensive, are a necessary measure to ensure that all things fall into place for the contractor and in the side of the obligee. They protect them as well. Let's talk about the types of bonds. Having understanding of what bonds are and why you need them, the next step is to explore the different types of surety bonds to get an even deeper insight to comfortably enter into a contract with the government or the obligee. Below are the most common contract types. Bid bonds. Bid bonds guarantee the project owner that the contractor will abide by the proposal. It is a safety measure to deter contractors from changing the terms of the contract after the bid has been won. It restricts them from backing out, which can cause a lot of damage to the project owner. One will have to be careful when purchasing a bid bond, as forfeiting after the work has been assigned to you 
gives the project owner a chance to claim a penalty sum in the bid contract. In most cases, this penalty can range from 5 to 20% of the amount the contractor bids with. Another reason why the government asks for bid bonds is to make the bidding process fair and straightforward. It does not give room for extremely low bids or just anybody bidding just a bid. The principals have to quote an appropriate sum for the completion of the project. After winning the proposal, the principals may not alter the prices as this would cause the government to give the contract to the next contractor in line. Principals should play by the rules of bidding failure to which the surety can take extreme measures suing the contractor so they can recover the cost of forfeiting the bids. Bid bonds are mandatory when bidding on federal government jobs. Private firms have as well followed suit and moved to protect themselves from the risk associated with the bidding process. Now let's move on to performance bonds. Principal require a performance bond and payment bond and a bid bond as they work hand in hand. After the project award, the winner will submit a bid. Bid performance payment to the principal. Performance bonds help the government or the obligee to claim compensation for an incomplete job. As per the bidding requirements, the contractor sets the completion duration and in case they fail or leave the project halfway through due to reasons such as insolvency, the performance bond takes effect but under the provision that the work is specific. In case the job description does not give proper instructions and details of what the job entails, the contractor can get away with it because it wasn't specific. It's always in your best interest to specify the job description. When does the government ask for a performance bond? We have already established that this bond is important for the contract, but there are unique times when the government requires contractors to have performance bonds, and which include, one, when the government offers its property and funds to aid in the completion of the job, as well as the contractor gets to retain the salvage materials or the funds to act as partial compensation. Two, when a merger occurs before the end of the contract or the principal sells their assets to another contractor, the government has to determine if the successor is capable of accomplishing the job. Once the successor has been approved, the successor will have to present the bond. Three, in the case of the government contractor specifies the job involves demolition or to remove improvements and dismantle the project. This calls for a performance bond as well. Well, let's talk about the reasons for bonds. And this all came about according to the Miller Act. So if you go to 40 USC, you can learn more about it. Any contract above 150000 will require to have a performance bond. Based on this act, the performance bond requirement cannot be waived unless stated by bond statute or job provisions make it impractical. Failure to complete the job can result in financial damages up to 100% of the quoted price. Additionally, the penalty amount increases as the price increases, and it should also measure up to 100% of the amount of increase. Handling bonds. Handling performance bonds requires absolute care, or else its effectiveness does more harm than good. 
This happens when the obligee underestimates the cost of the project and fails to qualify the suffered losses. The surety can also prevent the obligee from being compensated by demanding that the obligee's mistake to comply with the conditions of the bond or if they prove that the owner deserves less compensation. Payment bond. There are many parties in a contract job which allows the execution of the project. The subcontractors, suppliers, and laborers are also included in the contract. The principal in charge of paying these people and the payment bond guarantees that they're paid. The three major principles of the surety bond still apply only at this time the obligee is its of subcontractors, material suppliers, and laborers who are making claim the surety to be paid. Given the working of a payment bond, as it is acquired together with the performance bond, to keep the obligees from suffering in the case the contractor defaults their on their obligations as per the set guidelines of the bond. Even though this limit this limits the circumstances of attaining the payment bond alone, in rare cases, private companies may ask you for a bond alone. But for federal contracts, bid, performance, and payment bonds are crucial for the success of the contract. Payment bond takes its effect after the obligee makes claims a payment default and the surety company establishes the legitimacy of the claim. The contractors are on the hook for the type of bond as it reflects poorly to their method of operation and the surety company seeks to be compensated by the contractor after recovering the payments to the obligees. Cost details. The Miller Act once again provides the scope of the amount to be paid after the payment bond does not hold. The amount to be paid to the obligee must, one, be 100% of the agreed-upon original contract price to meet additional costs if the project meet additional costs if the prices increase. The amount payable should be equal to the, the increased amount of 100%. And three, not be less than the performance bond penalty amount. These conditions hold unless the amount for this payment bond is deemed impractical by the contracting officer. This term also extends the contract's rating from 35000 to 150000 Apart from being protected by the Miller Act, the government should ensure the contractor increases the penal sum, obtains an additional bond, or furnishes the payment protection methods in case they increase the prices. Then there's a maintenance bond. What happens to the bid, performance, and payment bonds after the work is complete? The bonds do not end as there has to be a maintenance bond for a certain period of time to protect the obligee against any defects arising from the completed project, be it from inferior materials or poor workmanship. The maintenance bond is sort of a warranty based on the contractor's job. In most cases, it covers 12 to 24 months, after which the obligee cannot claim compensation and they start catering for any damages. The maintenance bond is not entirely about making claims and being compensated. This depends on the project owner as they have another alternative provided by the bond. They can choose to ask the contractor to fix the defects or make the claim. Get work. 99% of the time, that's what they're going to do. They're going to ask you to fix whatever they find that's inferior. Credit evaluation. In obtaining the maintenance bond, the principal's credit situation is evaluated by the surety company. The surety establishes whether the contractor can compensate the surety after the pay the project owners for the damage. So far, the bonds we have worked in favor of the obligee, but are the contractors left out. 
The surety bonds work for the mutual benefit basically of all parties. Also, the contractors benefit from bonds through, one, avoiding conflicts arising from the contract. Entering into a contract ties the contractor's hands when things take an unfortunate turn. The bonds help the contractors from facing the wrath of not holding the bonds agreements by dealing with sureties first. If the surety option does not work, the situation escalates and the bond is utilized. The contractor finds themselves cornered. That is why bonds are important, to take care of matters before they turn to the worst. Boosting confidence levels. Surety bonds favor the contractors by helping customers see financial stability. Acquiring the bonds requires commitment, money, and insurance that you, the principal, are capable of handling the project. It also allows for competition. If there are no rules regarding contractors to have the bonds, anyone may be eligible to bid the contract. However, the bonds cross off the unqualified contractors, leaving genuine principals to fight for the contract. Increased Credibility The process of attaining bonds is a learning process where results in better services. You get to talk to lawyers, engineers, and accountants, and relevant professionals, which broadens your knowledge. Surety bonds also assist contractors in bidding more and win more contracts, which aid to the revenue. The rigorous process builds a contractor's reputation, giving them more leverage to win more bids. Bonds cannot be substituted by insurance, but they are essential in maintaining good relationship with the obligees to ensure smooth completion of the projects. You need to familiar yourself with bonding specifics, and for that you need to go to FAR Part 28. Well, that's it for today's episode, but before we go, remember to stop, rate, and review the podcast. That would be greatly appreciated. Stay tuned for next week as we'll be discussing SBA Surety Bond Program, and you won't want to miss it. Until then, be safe.